Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. everyone and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland, a host of Tech Stuff. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum, another host of Tech Stuff. One of these days we will have a standard way of doing this. Ridiculous. Yes. Unnecessary. Uh, so uh, previously on Tech Stuff, we talked about the, the history of Amazon.com leading up to and including the dot-com crash. Which was in the year 2000. Yep. And uh, so today we wanted to start up where we left off and bring you up to date on what Amazon's been up to. And it turns out it's a whole heck of a lot. A bunch of stuff. Uh, but let's uh, let's look back on 2001. Now, mm-hmm. 2000 is when the actual dot-com crash was. But the, the crash wasn't – don't think of it like a crash where suddenly all companies lost value. It was actually more gradual than that. It, we, companies like Amazon saw their stock prices – hit a steady decline. Mm-hmm. And that decline uh, would hit its lowest point, as far as I was able to determine anyway, in uh, in mid-2001 when it hit just below $6 per share. Wow. Now, keep in mind that in, in 98 and 99, they were looking at $300 per share before a, a, right. a stock split. And it even opened uh, at the end of the, its opening day. It was at $23. So. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, opening day before the company had ever done really anything beyond you know it had been it had been an operation for 2 years as a private company had not turned a profit mm-hmm. raised 54 million dollars at 23 bucks a share 2001 it weathers the storm of the dot com crash if i can mix all sorts of <laughs> metaphors uh and ends up at 6 dollars per share so this is a tough time and some companies wouldn't have survived in fact a lot of companies did not survive this this tumultuous time mm-hmm. and uh, it did not stop Amazon in fact they they well, ended it did, up they did they did cut costs uh, yes. they, they, they laid, laid, laid off um, uh, 1300 employees closed a distribution facility um, yeah they ended up seeking out and forming alliances with uh, what would have traditionally been considered competitors um, target and also borders group yeah that's uh, two big competitors right there they also introduced the uh, the concept of the for Amazon anyway for in-store pickup where you would order an item on amazon.com and then go and pick it up at what whichever store actually sold that mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. so they had other alliances not just with target and borders they had a, they had previous alliances with companies like Toys R Us mm-hmm. and also <laughs> Circuit City which you know had its own sad story which i guess we could do someday and talk about maybe maybe Aww. instead of just Circuit City we could talk about all box all, stores that yeah. have suffered because uh, now we're seeing the same sort of thing happen with Best Buy, right, uh, which, right. which survived the Circuit City debacle mm-hmm. but is now struggling on its own. That's neither here nor there. Sure. At this point, Target makes these alliances in part to kind of ride or out. Amazon makes these alliances oh, to, Thank you. Thank <laughs> to you. ride out. I mean, I'm sure that it was you know Target was in it for the same reasons. Yes. But no. Target Target was, but Target as a as a uh, as a traditional retail establishment was not affected as badly with mm-hmm. the dot com crash mm-hmm. as web based companies. So right. thank you for correcting me because that hmm. was a definite correction that uh, needed to happen. Hmm. But but uh, yeah, Target for its part, they were having trouble. You know, one of the things that that made investors kind of wary about Amazon was that its competitors could, 
in theory, create their own websites. Right, and start to sell things in these vast numbers that Amazon was enjoying, hypothetically. Right, directly to their consumers as opposed to partnering with Amazon. But Mm -hmm. it, it was taking a while for that to work, partly because you had these traditional retail establishments that they they the web space was foreign to them mm-hmm. that was not where their expertise lay mm-hmm. and so to get into that meant that they made a lot of mistakes uh they had to work with a lot of companies they weren't familiar with and it took, it was it's a slow process whereas amazon was coming from the opposite direction they were looking at they already uh, had all these systems in place to uh to categorize and and Organize right. and data to, yeah, about objects exactly, and, and to handle all the customer uh, mm-hmm. information as well. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it was one of those things where uh, uh, it made a it made sense on both parties because Target could take advantage of Amazon's interface. Mm-hmm. Amazon could take advantage of the fact that Target had a lot of stuff that people <laughs> wanted, uh-huh. and and both companies and brand would, visibility too. Exactly, to get it out to people. Yeah, sure. so they they both benefited. Uh-huh. So yeah, uh, by by the end of the year, they had made um three point one two billion in sales. Yeah, um, which you know, considering after right after the dot com crash, that is not bad. And they also reported their first net profit during the fourth fourth quarter of that year. And this is this is major. This is huge because I mean, you know, not only had they survived this terrible crash of two thousand. But also, uh, for the very first time in their entire history, actually turned a profit. Yeah. So this is this is kind of confusing in a way because you're talking about a year in which they see the lowest stock price mm-hmm. for a, for a share of Amazon stock. The same year, they have their first net profit of one quarter. Again, it's just one just quarter. Just one of the quarter, year. right? But um, but yeah, their annual loss was at 149 million dollars for that year. Oof. So so they're still losing money, mm-hmm. but uh, they're losing it at a slower rate than they were before. A, a um, mere trickle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're talking about a billion dollar industry, but no profit. So. Uh, but still, Bezos is in it for the long haul. He's able to hold it together despite all of this, and they move on into 2002. And uh, and Amazon continues to diversify and try new things. They mm-hmm. open some new stores uh, in apparel and accessories mm-hmm. and office products, which mm-hmm. go hand in hand. I know when I'm shopping for slacks, I also often need a stapler. Of course. No, um, you know, also staples make great earrings. I, Ow. I'm, no, 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 don't do that. No, re- listeners at home, never, never listen to me. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> um, they, they also launched Amazon Canada. Yeah. So, uh, the Canadians finally got to shop. Mm-hmm. I, it is Canadians. I, I feel your pain as you sit there and think, wait, in that last episode, you talked about them launching in France and Japan and Germany and the UK and, yeah, they got yeah. around to Canada in yeah. uh, 2002. Especially since they were in Seattle. I mean, you could technically like spit and hit them from where you I are. I think what can- Canada would do is they would just hop across the border and order things and then hop back across. Uh-huh. Uh, that's probably not uh-huh. true. Canadians, I-, I know you're all too nice to yell at me. So, <laughs> um, Also, by the way, if you, if you really want to feel superior, Atlanta lost its hockey team. So really, I'm just envious <laughs> of Canada. Because I happen to love hockey and I no longer have a team to cheer for. And that's sad. Uh, anyway, moving back to Amazon, uh, they also created their uh, – well, they they had already created a free super saver shipping program. Uh, right. Back in back in 2000, actually. We yeah. missed that point. Yeah. That was uh, when – if you ordered $100 or more, you could, you could qualify for free shipping. Mm-hmm. They had reduced that amount to $25. As of 2002. Yeah. So this is an effort of them trying to continue to – uh, to increase sales, mm-hmm. obviously they they did not want 
for that momentum to slow down because the momentum, frankly, was really all that was keeping that company going at that point. Right, sure. Um, they also launched Amazon Web Services. This is a, a one of the things that really helped Amazon as well. Uh, th- this is a back-end thing that a lot of, you know, Retail customers would never understand, but corporate customers, it's very important. Uh, Amazon Web Services, it, uh, here, here's a direct quote from the site. It offers a complete set of infrastructure and application services that enable you to run virtually everything in the cloud, from enterprise applications and big data projects to social games and mobile apps. So Basically what it means is that Amazon took all of these amazing bits of technology and software and infrastructure that they were using to make their own business awesome, and they sold them piecemeal yeah. to anyone who was interested in using them. It's, it's almost like leasing, really. Uh, leasing, yeah, yeah. Not not, not selling, but um, but right. Yeah, so... so Leasing the space, leasing the databases, leasing sure. the programming. Uh, yeah, I, and this is... this. This is a part of a conversation that we'll probably have in yet another episode <laughs> further down the line when we talk about Amazon and its impact in the industry. Because while we're talking about the history of the company right now and we're talking about some big ideas, it's hard to stress what sort of impact this made. Keep in mind, this is cloud computing and cloud storage before people were even using that term. Right. And Amazon, we, you know, we often think, at least I often think, of Google as being huge right. with the cloud the cloud storage and cloud services. But really, when you look at it, it's Amazon that was a real pioneer in that space when mm-hmm. you're talking about big, big names. Yeah, yeah. Not not for, not for personal use uh, yet. No. They would get into that later. Right. But, but, but for, for corporate for use. Corporate yeah, use. we're talking like major companies using Amazon because, again, just like I was talking about with the retail companies where the web space was unfamiliar territory, you had these other big companies that had the need to support uh, some sort of networked infrastructure or mm-hmm. online capability, but it's such a huge investment to do that as a company and to have that like you have to have the space to to store the the servers. You mm-hmm. have to have the people trained to maintain the servers. You have to have the right kind of space because if it gets too warm, the servers shut down. Kind of funny mm-hmm. thing about computers. Uh, so Amazon was essentially saying, "Hey, we know it's tough. We do this for a living. So why don't we do it for you?" Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, that ended up opening up a huge business opportunity. Um, and also, uh, they ended up. Uh, Moving on to uh, to the next year, uh, we're talking about their first profitable year in 2003. Wow. So uh, 2003, they have their first profitable year. They earn $35 million wow. overall. $35 mi- Okay, so I mean- <laughs> their sales, by the way, mm-hmm. so they make $35 million. Here's how much they sold. $1.95 billion worth of stuff. Wow, yeah. So almost $2 billion in sales. 35 million profit. Wow. Yeah. So not a, not a, not a, not great margins, as it turns (laughs) out. Um, I, you know, it had a crazy holiday season that year. They, they processed 1 million shipments and, uh, had 20 million inventory updates in a single day on, on there. That's big. That's, that's a bunch. They also opened up more stores. Mm -hmm. I probably won't be talking too much about all the different stores they brought. Yeah. At at this point, it's just more stuff. I I will say, uh, that's when gourmet food hit Amazon. So yeah. Important. The stomach demands that I mentioned that. Uh, also, this was the year Two interesting things, uh, as far as I'm concerned, with uh, with Bezos here. Um, mm-hmm. One was that he decided to pursue his love of space exploration by funding a startup company called Blue Origin. 
which is a Seattle-based aerospace company working on private space flight. Mm-hmm. He also had a near-death experience right. that year. He was on he was a, in a helicopter, right? Yeah, he was in a helicopter. Uh, and they were essentially scouting locations for Blue Origin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they were, the, they were about to take off in this helicopter, uh, in a field, I think it was. And, um, while they were starting to take off, the helicopter drifted. The tail hit a tree. Ooh. The helicopter began to tilt and then it ended up flipping upside down and landing in a creek. Oh. Uh, Bezos, yeah. obviously he survived, uh, mm-hmm. but apparently he said that, uh, he was asked like, did your life flash before your eyes or did mm-hmm. you suddenly have like things that you wish you had done? He says, actually what I thought was, this would be a dumb way to die, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so, you know, that's, that was a, that was a, a pretty incredible experience. He also said in an interview, this is unconnected with the, uh, the helicopter issue, mm-hmm. but he said in an interview with Business Week, when we can improve our personalization algorithms so that we show something to somebody that they wouldn't have discovered in any other way, and then that product serves them very well, that's something that's incredibly valuable. And that goes back to something I said earlier, uh, I think it was actually in part one of, uh-huh. of Amazon. This idea of creating algorithms that can predict customer wants and needs and behavior mm-hmm. so that you give uh, you give the customer a really great shopping experience. Right. And also in the process, you make more sales. Mm-hmm. So it benefits Wins everyone. for everyone, yeah. yeah. So when I go online and I think, I really, really want uh, to buy that copy of, of, uh, of Halo 4. Uh, it also says, hey, uh, I see that you really like being bad at video games. Maybe you would also like to be bad at Assassin's Creed 3. And I say, yes, I would. And I <laughs> add that to the list. Mm-hmm. And that happened. Um, <laughs> although I should I should point out right now, Assassin's Creed 3 is still in its shrink wrap. I have not finished playing Halo 4 yeah, or Borderlands neither. 2, yeah. as it turns out. As um, of February 1st, kids, both Jonathan and I are lame at video games. But we we have played online at the same time on the same team. We did, we did. And uh uh Matt from from stuff they don't want you to know yeah. joined joined in as well. Yeah, so we actually had team how stuff works for a while. Yeah. We've had one person suggest that we have a a, a tournament of team how stuff works versus team twit over this week in tech. I don't know if anyone at Twit plays Halo or any other Xbox 360 game, but if they do, uh, it is on like Donkey Kong. Yes, call us, guys. Yeah, we'll any, play. Anytime. Ayaz, let me know. You know, <laughs> he's, he's, my, he's my buddy over there. Uh, but at any rate. Yeah, so getting back over to Amazon, they also launched a service called A9. Uh, now, A9 uh, had development efforts in five areas, product search, cloud search, visual search, advertising technology, and community question answering. But when it originally launched... It didn't actually go live until 2004, but it was mm-hmm. developed in 2003. Okay. Uh, so this kind of, uh, unless you have something specific about 2003, this kind of nope, segues nope, into 2004. Seg- segues straight in there. Okay. Sure. Uh, so originally, the forward-facing part of A9 was a search portal. So this is kind of competing with Google and Yahoo and other search uh, uh, engines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it allowed you to use different filters or search groups. Like it had over 400 different groups you could search from, and you could choose which groups to include or not include. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was very uh, versatile in that sense, although I guess if you're really getting bogged down into it, it could probably take you ages to do a search. Sure. But uh, it was discontinued. That that part of A9 was discontinued in 2008. 
because it just wasn't getting a lot of traction. But a lot of the technology they developed in A9 still powers this search within Amazon itself. So oh, when you okay. go to Amazon, you do a product mm-hmm. search. That's what's powering that search. Cool. Uh, it also is being used in other e-commerce sites. So it's not just Amazon that uses that technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in 2004, they launched uh, Amazon Theater. Uh, they in- launched more stores. Um, the the tsunami, the major tsunami that happened in 2004. Oh, right, yeah, they donated uh, $15.7 million. Yep, and they, they offered the ability for users to contribute directly to the American Red Cross. Uh, for Via the, Amazon payments. Yep. So, yeah, so, yeah you, could, you could end up doing that. So that was a, a good uh, show of uh, community and yeah, uh, yeah. support. They also had that year bought um, Joyo.com, which became Amazon China. So, right. Yeah. So Joyo.com is, was a kind of a, a, the, it became the largest book retailer in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time it was a, a, a strong contender, but was not yet the number one. Mm-hmm. But did after Amazon bought them. <laughs> huh. Uh, they, uh, and Amazon Theater, in case you're wondering, it was a short film series. And they, they took, uh, the production company, uh, they, they used the production company that was formed by, uh, the Scots. That's, uh, Ridley and Tony. Um, and they produced five short films that starred Hollywood actors. These mm-hmm. were short shorts that were released over uh, several months, and they allowed users to watch the films and then buy items that they saw inside the film. So, wow, yes. direct product placement. Yeah, that's, this, that's this actually is, really interesting. It's I one mean. of those things you've been hearing about forever, right? Mm-hmm. Like one of the big promises of web TV was that eventually you would be able to watch a show and say, "Gosh, you know." Uh, the the Winchester brothers on Supernatural sure do wear nifty clothing. I, I would, really want that shirt. I want to look. I want to look like Dean Winchester. So how do I get that jacket? I've been watching so much of that show, guys. <laughs> I really have. I I can't. I cannot help you there, man. I went through a Phineas and Ferb stage. It, it just happens, people. I mean, you just be thankful you didn't get to. Listen to my Breaking Bad phase, um, but anyway, yes. So uh, th- that was kind of the idea. It was sort of a pilot program in a way. Uh, didn't really go that far, but it, it. It's still interesting that they were starting to work with that sort of uh, creative element. Yeah, and and that comes into play again. Uh, mm-hmm. So Amazon's not finished with the creative element by any stretch of the imagination, but this was this was sort of an early, like feeling the water kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just a little chilly is all. Uh, hmm. 2005, uh, they introduced Amazon Prime, and I was so happy. <laughs> I don't think I got involved in Prime until recently, like maybe uh, 2010. But yeah. Actually, I think that was closer to when I did, too. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it's like, still, it's, oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. So Amazon Prime, for those of you who do not know, it's a program that for a yearly fee, you have the option to get two-day free shipping on lots and lots of products. Not everything. Not everything. Because a lot of the stuff that's on Amazon is not actually offered directly through Amazon. It's mm-hmm. offered through a partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the companies that partner with Amazon can choose to participate within the Prime they program. They have an option, but it's not a necessity. Yeah, it's and not so required. Mm-hmm. So uh, if they do um, participate, you get two-day free shipping on stuff, which is pretty cool. Uh, you would also later on get access to things like the Amazon Instant Video Database mm-hmm. for uh, for certain prime movies and TV shows, mm-hmm. and also uh, the capacity to loan out Kindle books. 
Yep, those, that's something else that comes in Prime, and we'll talk about more of those things when we get to them. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and in that holiday season, they announced they sold 108 million items. Wow. Yeah, that's a wow. lot of lot of stuff. Yeah, they um they also entered a fulfillment agreement with Drugstore.com. Wow. That year. Yep. Uh, and uh, I had an, I had another interesting note in here somewhere, but I can't read. Well, <laughs> it's too bad because the clock is ticking. I'm about to go into 2006. As, no, as of that year, they possessed the world's three largest Linux databases with a, a, a capacities of, of terabytes and terabytes and terabytes. Yeah. So again, you know, you would sit there and think of like data storage. You might think Google, but Amazon was the big name. The big name then. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2006, they launched Amazon Simple Storage Service, or S3. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, th- this is another back-end thing, but it's, and it's something that eventually customers would see in another form that's kind of a split off of that. But uh, they made a lot more partnerships with merchants, retailers, and manufacturers. Uh, they also launched Amazon Connect, which was a way for authors to reach readers through sort of a blog-like interface. But that would eventually get replaced by what they call author pages. Mm-hmm. But the idea was that by giving authors a direct route to uh, communicate with readers, it could enrich the experience. Because We didn't really talk about it. In fact, this is a very important point. But one of the other things that really helped Amazon get through the dot-com crash is that they had you know, user reviews. Mm-hmm. And user reviews created this rich user experience that made Amazon more of what what used to be called Web 2.0. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concept that a community is important online. Right. I'm crazy that. There has to, there, the Web 2.0 has a lot of different definitions to it, but part of it is interactivity mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that users are contributors, not just consumers. Right. And also that you have dynamic content, meaning that it does change over time. It's not just a landing page you go to and it has you know, a stock amount of information about mm-hmm. the, the company. So, and, um, and, and this was really revolutionary because being able to jump on a website, look at a product that you're thinking about buying and see that someone says, you know, I really liked this shirt, but I got it and the seams ripped in a day and a half. Yeah. And, and, or, or on the other hand, like this is a terrific thing. I've bought five of them. I've had it forever and it's wonderful. Right. Yeah. I've bought them for friends and family for, for gifts and everyone loves them, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And everything and, in between. And actually, you know, Bezos has said repeatedly that, that negative reviews are just as important as positive ones because yeah. it shows that Amazon is dedicated to, uh, to the to the consumer side, mm-hmm. and I think he came under a little bit of fire at some point from some companies that were saying, "Why are you letting people post these negative reviews?" And yeah. He was like, "Well, because they're true." Yeah, because your stuff isn't good. That- <laughs> Make better stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. No, it, it, he he points out that to build customer trust, you have to have that. Mm-hmm. It's also one of the reasons why Amazon is very very keen to uh, to get rid of any reviews that are gaming the system. Right. Uh, Because that does happen. You have, occasionally you'll have a company, and it might not be the company directly. It might be, say, an outside PR firm Mm -hmm, that comes in and, and without the company's permission, goes in and makes a whole bunch of fake reviews for uh, for a product on something like Amazon to either, drive up the rating to, to, to either to either positive reviews on their own products or negative reviews on a competitor's product. Right. right. So again, this isn't something that necessarily a company is is uh, you know colluding with a PR firm. Some PR right. firms take it upon themselves. Some companies do this kind of stuff on their own. But mm-hmm. Amazon's approach is to try and head that off as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
uh, also in 2006, they launched the Amazon Unbox, which is interesting. Uh, this is kind of a predecessor to the instant video stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unbox, what it would let you do is download a DVD quality film oh, or right, TV I show. Oh, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you would download it to your PC mm-hmm. and you could watch it on your PC. You could not watch it on anything else and you could <laughs> right. not – it was not compatible with Macs. It was not compatible with Linux machines, only PCs running Windows and you could not port it over Transfer to other it devices. To, sure. Yeah, so you had to actually use the Amazon Unbox video player to watch it. So it's a, a – um, you know, proprietary video player. Mm-hmm. And you might think, well, that's kind of lame, Amazon. Uh, this is kind but of in, a, a, yeah, in 2006. Well, it's also a restriction that okay. the industry mm-hmm. is putting on Amazon, sure. right? Cause they don't want, they definitely do not want you to be able to download a video and either distribute it as much as you like mm-hmm. or watch it on whatever you want. They sure. want to control that as much as possible because mm-hmm. because of licensing issues because yeah. they make more money they if make you have more to money. download it. It comes at other down times. to money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh so it's not entirely Amazon's fault, although, you know, people argue about how much responsibility they have. Yeah, Same yeah. thing is true in the publishing industry when we get there. Oh, but- of course, yeah. And in 2006, just for perspective, um, uh, Amazon accounted for 5.1% of the online retail market. Uh, 5.1% out of all retail out of online. all retail online. That's, that's huge. Which is, yeah. I mean, sounds like a really low number until you think about that the internet was sort of a thing by 2006. Yeah, and that, so. that was definitely, it was definitely big. Mm-hmm. Uh, How Stuff Works was going strong by 2006. <laughs> and uh, you know, the next year is when Amazon really comes out with something huge. But before we get there, I think it's important we take just a quick break to thank our sponsor. And now back to the show. So it's 2007. Uh, Amazon decides to rock the world, at least the world of publishing, mm-hmm. and it releases the Kindle e-reader. It launched at a $399. Yeah. Reviews were pretty mixed about it, actually. People weren't sure that this entire electronic book thing was going to be a thing. Yeah. And there were a lot of people who were – I mean, I was skeptical when oh, it sure. launched because I thought, hey, I really like the feel and the smell the of a book. The tactile experience of a book. Absolutely. And then I eventually got to, hey – I like being able to carry a library without breaking my spine. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, early days it was kind of a question about whether or not they could make it go. And and we should point out, I mean, we know this. So you guys who are furiously typing on your on your laptops, take a moment, or your smartphones or tablets, whatever. Take a moment. We know that the Kindle was not the first e-reader. Right. It, was, it wasn't even the first e-ink e-reader, but it was one that had an enormous company behind it, a, a company known for distributing books. Mm-hmm. So and it also had a huge library of e-books already available. Yeah. So. so so they they had a distinct advantage over other companies that sold you the hardware but didn't have access to the actual content. Mm-hmm. This is selling you the hardware and the content all in one big company. Mm-hmm. So it also opened up huge opportunities for e-publishing where where authors could potentially publish a book themselves in electronic format and skip the entire publishing industry uh, experience altogether. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the book will be a success, but it does right. mean it does mean that a book that might not otherwise be published because it is too risky or uh-huh. too outside the norm and just could like the get rest a chance. Of the, the rest of the internet has given a huge voice to people who might not otherwise have have ever gotten a soapbox for good or for ill. <laughs> uh huh. And, and commenters, I'm looking at you. But but yeah, it it, it really started shaking things up. Yeah, definitely, and. Um, and it would continue to do so over the next few years. I mean, we 
we'll we'll probably do a, another episode about again about Amazon's effects like the on overall the impact. Yeah, yeah, because there's there's a whole lot to be said about the impact of electronic publishing on mm-hmm. the publishing industry as a whole, especially when you get into the battles about pricing. Oh yeah, you know, those those got ugly. Yes, absolutely. And they're still they're still going on. It's mm-hmm. not like it's over, but it's it, for a while there it was. It was hurting everybody, right? Uh, especially authors <laughs> and and fans of certain authors. My wife being one of them. It's a whole Jim Butcher story I'll have to tell when we get to that. But uh, uh, they also that year, two thousand seven, uh, launched a partnership with TiVo, and uh, TiVo, of course, the DVR mm-hmm. for those who uh, are who forgot, because TiVo <laughs> TiVo was like the name in DVRs for the longest time. It was, yeah. It's kind of lost a lot of its luster, mainly because there's so many other devices out there that incorporate DVR technology that sure. TiVo is kind of... And there's also, yeah, a lot of people are getting them straight from their uh, cable provider right. these days, and so they don't necessarily have a separate branded. Yeah, and, and, and to be fair, also, TiVo has a reputation for not updating its operating system as yeah. frequently as people would like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Um, uh, you know, all of those things, but, but back in 2007, TiVo was the name. Uh, it made, entered a partnership with Amazon and Amazon essentially allowed people who subscribe to TiVo access to the unbox videos. So oh, cool. it uh-huh. meant that, uh, that, you know, if you were an unbox customer, you could get access to thousands of movies and television shows. Mm-hmm. Um, the first quarter sales in 2007 passed three billion, that's billion with a B, dollars. Mm-hmm. That's in the first quarter. Yeah, the entire year that year was $14.8 billion in revenue. That's a lot of money. So, um, oh, and oh, this is huge. It's huge. Two huge things. First of all, September 2007, they launch a public beta program of their Amazon MP3 program. Ooh. So this is, this is Amazon saying, okay, Apple. Huh. All right, uh-huh. iTunes. We see you, iTunes. Let's, we see what you're doing there. Let's let's go for it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so then you had the MP3 battles between Amazon and Apple, which are still going on today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I can tell you that uh, I I do a lot of comparison shopping. Uh, hmm. But then they also uh, they they pu- purchased the publication rights for a special edition version of a particular author's special book. That book is The Tales of Beetle the Bard. That huh. author is J.K. Rowling. Yeah, you might have heard her. Yeah, uh, yeah, she wrote those uh, Harry Potter books, you know, the ones where Frodo has to destroy the ring. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, you shall not pass. I love, I love those books. I love in the movie. Patrick Stewart is so good. He is so good. Yeah, as as Professor X of <laughs> uh, of. Of, of Dumbledore University. Uh, no, we actually do know our stuff. We're big Harry Potter fans. We're just, we're just also enormous dorks. Um, but yeah, so J.K. Rowling's Tales of the Beetle, of Beetle the Bard, which was a special, special book that she had written that was, you know, connected to the Harry Potter universe, mm-hmm. but not actually Within part the of the universe. Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. Not part of the actual It's, it's a story, uh, story that shows up in the story. So yes. Kind of meta. Yeah. A little meta. Uh, that, now that would not actually go on sale until 2008. Amazon purchased the rights in 2007, but in 2008, uh, they get the rights to actually sell the collector's edition version of uh, uh, of the tales of Beetle the Bard, and that was the most important thing that happened in 2008. <laughs> uh, they also uh, hit like uh, 4.1 billion dollars in sales in their first quarter. They they also acquired a company called Audible. So uh-huh. um, we've talked about Audible on this podcast before. Uh, they so, acquired a company called Fabric.com. Okay. So okay. Customers yeah. out there. They, uh, if, if you were following along with our web services conversation earlier, they, they reached, uh, 300,000 developers using their web services. Yep. 
They, they also launched apps on Facebook. Uh, so this this is again Amazon looking at what is out there, what's working, what what are people really getting into, and making sure that they have a presence there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done this with multiple platforms, Facebook being a very important one, but they've also done things with Xbox Live and other companies as well. So uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that that marks a company that's really on the lookout for what is it that customers want? Mm-hmm. Uh, because if they're able to continue to meet that, then they're going to be a success. Um, moving into 2009, uh, this was also an important part, uh, an important time for Amazon because in 2009, we started to see a dramatic decline in demand for retail space. Mm-hmm. This is where retail companies are starting to have serious problems. Right, um, right. Companies like Circuit City and, and Best Buy and, uh, and even, you know, companies like Kmart and, uh, you know, you're looking at more and more people shifting their shopping experiences to online. To now, online, right. Bezos has said that nothing is ever going to replace the experience of going out and shopping at, at a physical location and that it may just be that that becomes more of an event thing. Mm-hmm. So there might be for just specific types of products and services that you would go out to a brick and yeah. mortar store. That's actually absolutely true for me. I mean, I, you know, if I'm looking for something uh, local or, or artistic, then I want to go out and kind of look at it and poke at it. But if I'm just buying a DVD, I don't want to go to Best Buy. Yeah, I, I, I'm sort of the same way in that, uh, like the other day, for example, uh, uh, at my house, I have no fewer than four different types of light bulbs because of fixtures in my house. Uh, eventually, I hope to have only need for one type of light bulb, but right now that's not the case. So uh, I a had whole other episode. <laughs> I had reached a point where I had enough burnt out bulbs that something needed to change, or else I was going to really <laughs> injure myself while navigating through my house at night. So I went on to you know I could have you know gone to the store and gone down the light bulb aisle. Mm-hmm. This would have had to have been a hardware store because these are particular the specialty types of halogen bulbs. Halogen mm-hmm. bulbs. Yeah, because I had to buy one of those fancy modern houses, um, which I love the house. It's the fixtures that are driving me crazy. So I went on Amazon way easier. Yeah. And with a couple of clicks, I bought a whole bunch of light bulbs so I won't have to go shopping again for a long time. It will be bright at my house for ages to come. Forever. Yeah. Uh, but in 2009, also, uh, the Kindle was the top-selling item of the holiday season. Yep. And uh, this is also when uh, a trend called showrooming began. Showrooming is when customers go into a store and they have a smartphone. Oh, And they uh-huh. use the smartphone to take oh, a picture was... of a store's product. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, there were a few, there were a few, uh, uh, controversies that year. That was also the year that, um, they, that Amazon ended up deleting, uh, George Orwell's 1984. Yeah. That, from a whole bunch of Kindles because they, they realized that the, that the copy that they had in their store was actually an illegal copy. Right. That was only, only approved for sale in Australia, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So and there, there was definitely, the, the problem was that they could sell George Orwell's 1984, but the version they sold, this is kind of weird because it's the same words. But the, uh, this, this is a publishing industry thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, every, every publishing company is, is very proprietary about these sort of things and, yeah. and with good reason because that's how they make their dollars. But, but, but yeah, when you consider the, the, the content of 1984 and the fact that that was the book that gets, deleted, yeah, I liked that a whole lot. And, and it was, it was something that happened that, you know, this, this actually required a response from Amazon to customers because uh, it, it happened so suddenly and without warning, really. Mm-hmm. You know, people just wake up one day and one of their titles is deleted. It's it, gone. It, yeah. it raised the question of, hey, 
Who don't, owns? Yes, do don't we, I own it? Because I bought, I, I bought, bought a copy. Thing. Yeah, and the thing is that you, you you technically do not own that book that you own that, that you have on your Kindle. You own the rights to read it. Yeah, right now it's more like renting a book, honestly. The, the, the way that it's worded. Yeah, and and when you think about it, that's that's worrisome because you think, well, could that rental agreement end someday, and suddenly I don't have that book anymore? I mean, and the answer is yes. So, you know, that's one of the big differences between an electronic book and a real book because it would be a much different story if Amazon employees <laughs> kicked open your door and walked to your bookshelf and took a physical copy of George Orwell's 1984 and said, see ya, here's mm-hmm. a receipt for your receipt and walked out. That was a, <laughs> that was a reference to the documentary Brazil. Um, uh-huh. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so yeah, showrooming, uh, the whole idea about comparison shopping while you're actually in a physical space, you end up taking the picture of the, 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 you, you know, the, the code on the box or whatever and, uh, get a quick look to see, okay, well, here's this one product in this store. What is it on Amazon? And do I want to just order it online? Uh, that, that has driven stores nuts. And in fact, some stores, uh, for example, I, I'm pretty sure Target for 2013 has a policy where it will match Amazon's price for oh, products. Wow. wow, that's yeah. very clever. So it's it's yeah. become kind of a battle between Amazon and, and traditional retail stores. Mm-hmm. Moving into 2009, uh, they announced the fourth quarter sales for 2008. This happens in early 2009, obviously. Or like each year at the beginning of the year, uh, once you get into the year, they companies announce the results of their last quarter because mm-hmm. obviously they can't do it during the the, the actual year that it happened because it hasn't, it hasn't yet. happened yet. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the fourth quarter sales for 2008 were announced at the beginning of 2009 and they were $6.7 billion. So still making huge sales. And of course, part of this is because Amazon's selling more and more stuff, just mm-hmm. different kinds of stuff, not just books and music and movies. Um, they also introduced the Kindle 2. Uh, which uh, and they introduced shopping apps for Android and the Kindle app for iOS uh, devices, and they acquired a company called Zappos, which made a lot of my friends unhappy because mm. mm-hmm. they loved Zappos and they loved its independent spirit, and they were worried that that would go away once it was acquired by a giant like Amazon, mm-hmm. or that it would just be incorporated into Amazon and Zappos as a thing would, would no go longer away. exist. Right. Yeah. Um, also, we something else that's interesting at this point, uh, one of the reasons why the Kindle was so important to Amazon is we were talking about profit margins earlier, about how expensive it is to run a business like mm-hmm. Amazon. You're talking about huge infrastructure, mm-hmm. lots of warehouses, lots of employees. Lots of computer shipping. equipment, shipping. Yeah, mm-hmm. lots and lots of stuff you have to worry about. With Kindle, it's an electronic file, so you pay for the equipment that it's stored on and the uh, the infrastructure that supports that equipment, but mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about shipping. You don't have to worry about all those other problems. It's, it's much cheaper to get electronic uh, uh, book to book, someone yeah. than it is to get a physical book. Uh, you know, for example, uh, George R. R. Martin's Dance of the Dragons weighs approximately what I do. Yeah, so when you true. have to ship that's that true. to somebody. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, often I, I confuse Lauren with the book I'm currently <laughs> reading and uh, I now realize that when I hear put me down, I've accidentally picked up Lauren. It's awkward. Yeah. It, the HR has talked to me. So, um, yeah, it's, it's true also with other forms of digital files, obviously, MP3s and, uh, and instant streaming movies, that kind of thing. So Amazon's really 
helping it, you know, the company is, is doing well in part because people are buying more and more of the electronic versions of stuff as opposed to the physical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, although they're still buying the physical thing too. I mean, it's, that hasn't changed. Um, in 2010, uh, they announced their fourth quarter sales for, for 2009, which was uh, $9.5 billion. Wow. The other thing to keep in mind is the fourth quarter tends to be Amazon's best quarter. Of course, because Christmas happens, yeah. holiday holiday shopping, and it's always any retailer's biggest quarter. Yeah. And, and keep in mind also, Amazon, while it's making these amazing sales, sometimes those profit margins aren't so great simply because Amazon's also cutting prices. Right. So they... they they're, they're actually really big on cutting prices. Yeah. They're, you know, it's, it's one of the things one of the reasons that a lot of other uh, physical big box stores have been driven out of business in contribution by Amazon. Right. Yeah. So you've got – that's something that some critics are upset about with Amazon mm-hmm. because uh, they feel, one, that you know it's, it's slowly making Amazon a monopoly mm-hmm. in, many, in many industries. And two, it is uh, it hurts shareholders in the sense that they Amazon could be making more money if they charged more if they for charged stuff. More, right, right. But then the counter argument to that is, well, if you charge more for stuff, fewer people buy it. Right. right. So what's the right balance? Yeah, and interestingly, they've also applied the same concept to their to their web services, um, which is a huge part of their business. That again is the infrastructure that they rent out to other companies. Yeah. For use and and prices of those services were were dropping pretty dramatically as they streamlined that around the 2010 sort of time period. Yep. Um, also that year, the sale of eBooks surpassed hardcover sales in July. Yeah, yeah. Which that that would become you know pretty much par for the course from that point out. They would sell more Kindle copies of books than physical copies of books. Mm-hmm. Now that's not necessarily true across all. Businesses, right? And that, that's not to say that there are now more digital copies of books being sold than hard copies everywhere. It's simply uh, for Amazon in particular. Simply within that store, yes. Yeah. So now, granted, Amazon's big distributor of books, so yeah. it's it's a big story. Yeah. Uh, they also launched Amazon Studios in 2010, and this is a this is a Amazon's attempt to get into content creation. Uh, it's an idea where they partner with content creators, writers, mm-hmm. who are writing movie scripts or television scripts uh, that normally would not get turned into actual movies or TV shows because Hollywood is insular and there's mm-hmm. it's really hard to break into it, right? I mean, the, you hear like the amazing stories that happen where someone gets discovered, like a writer, right. a writer suddenly gets discovered in Hollywood. But for every one story you hear, there's a thousand heartbreak stories uh-huh. of people who have the best idea, but no one will listen no to it. No one them. will buy it, yeah. So this is kind of Amazon's approach to letting content creators get a chance at, at seeing their stuff come to life. Uh, so in order to be part of it, you have to actually create a, an account and submit stuff. And mm-hmm. they have very specific um, uh, uh, parameters that you have to... F- fit within in order to be part of it. So it's not like you just send in a script and you're you're good to go. It's there's more to it. Sure, than that. it's a little bit more complicated than their Kindle self-publishing yeah. model or not Kindle but ebook self-publishing model. Right. And then but. Amazon also invested 175 million dollars in a company called Living Social. Uh-huh. So this is Amazon's attempt to get in on a game that looked like it was threatening companies like Amazon. Mm-hmm. So companies like GroupMe and Living Social, which have these special deals, usually they're regional deals that apply to you if you happen to live within a certain area and you get a, a you know merchants or service providers or whatever will enter into a, an agreement where you get for a reduced uh, price. Yeah, mm-hmm. essentially a voucher for something. Mm-hmm. Um 
And and there was a there was a time where people were genuinely concerned that these companies would topple uh, retail establishments uh, or at least really hurt the bottom line. But it turned out that it's really hard to make money with that business model. So um, this might be one of those sort of missteps where where Amazon makes was perhaps not yeah was, maybe, was, yeah maybe yeah. it wasn't the best idea. Uh, in 2011, they reached 17 billion dollars in sales. Oof. Um, that's a lot of money. They also released the Kindle Fire tablet, which, uh, it, it was, it was a, a strong competitor because it was, uh, seen as, uh, a tablet device that could compete with the iPad, not, you know, spec for spec, but, but because it was, it was but in color, it was a touch screen. And it was way cheaper. Yeah, way cheaper than yeah. the iPad. I mean, I think uh, at the time the iPad was still uh well, it's like 550 bucks or something like that. Right. Like, and the and the Fire debuted I think at about 200, I want to say that that is I'm making that up, but I I, I feel like it, it was, was It was it was it was a couple it was a couple of 100 dollars less mm-hmm. than the iPad uh was and it was seen as such a low cost cost alternative that a lot of people who wanted a tablet but didn't want to invest that much money in an iPad mm-hmm. uh, decided to give it a try. And also, I mean, it was a smart idea for Amazon because, again, the tablet essentially acts as a portal for all of Amazon's content. Right. So everything Amazon sells works really well on the Amazon Kindle Fire. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, really when you think about it, the, the tablet, they were selling those essentially either at cost or even at a loss uh, in order to... To sell you more ebooks and more video and music downloads. Exactly, yeah. They're like, well, we'll make it up in content, uh, which, you know, again, because it's digital content, has a much lower cost of distribution than physical stuff. Oh, this right, way, right. This way we are bringing about the digital revolution and we will make so much money. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and for for perspective, Borders that was 2011 was the year that Borders announced their complete liquidation. So, sad trombone. Yeah. No. Total sad trombone. Uh, that was also the year they introduced Prime Instant Videos, so you could stream certain videos if you were a Prime member. You could also rent or buy videos mm-hmm. uh, through Prime, Instant Prime as well, so you could watch those uh, for for a fee. But there were there were lots of them that were available, free for Prime. Uh, users to watch. So again, Prime is a subscription service, so you had to pay into it first, but you could watch all these other things for free once you were a member. Uh, they also introduced Amazon Cloud Drive and and Cloud Player. So this was the customer okay. facing. This is when when you and I could end up taking advantage of Amazon storage space online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also you could buy digital albums. They would get stored in your cloud drive. You could upload stuff to the cloud drive, but there was a certain limit, like mm-hmm. a certain number of gigabytes of stuff you could upload. But right, but then once it was it, in there. Yeah, you're good to go. You could listen to it from from anywhere. Any any device that could connect to it. But also if you bought it directly from Amazon, it did not count against your limit. Uh-huh. So if you bought I see. And if you bought I think it was if you bought a full album from Amazon, you would get upgraded to the next level of, of oh, okay. uh, the uh-huh. cloud yeah. service. So it gave you an incentive again to shop through Amazon. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, you know, they were just being altruistic. They had a, a good reason to do this. They also announced myhabit.com, which uh those personalized shopping oh, services. Oh yeah, I vaguely, I vaguely remember. I that. occasionally get emails from them that I look at and I think I am not nearly attractive enough to wear that clothing. <laughs> uh, they then began to uh, that uh, they launched Amazon Local, uh, which again very regionalized kind of a uh, service, and um, they also uh, well the, they had the Amazon Silk web browser, which was part of Amazon Fire. Right. Uh, 
that, that was shown as being really fast, but some people had some issues with it. Uh, and uh, they introduced the Kindle Owners Lending Library, ah. where you could borrow books on your Kindle and not have to buy them if mm-hmm. you wanted to just read it, which was kind of cool. Again, that was one of those I things think, that you had to be a prime Yeah, member. yeah, that was a p- prime perk. But. Yeah. Uh, moving into 2012, uh, that's when they released the Kindle Fire HD. Mm-hmm. Uh, they acquired Kiva Systems Incorporated. Do you know Kiva yeah, Systems? Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, that's the nonprofit. Mm, no, 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 not no, Kiva. Not, that's not, the one you're thinking. That, that's the other other no. word opposite of nonprofit. <laughs> the, the, uh, Kiva, <laughs> Kiva was Kiva was. I know where you're going, but it's a different company. Yes, I'm going to I'm going to put you out of your misery. Excellent. Kiva is a company that that makes robots. 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 We like those. Yeah, they these are the ones that made the uh, the automated material handling system. Oh, okay, excellent. Yes. So, well, yeah, when you when an order comes in, the robot goes and picks up the appropriate shelf that like they picks up the entire shelf. It uh, the shelves are designed so that they are the same Modular. dimensions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the same dimensions as the robot. So the robot, uh, because everything belongs on its own shelf and every shelf belongs in a specific spot within the warehouse, the uh-huh. robot goes to the right spot. I'm going to keep saying it that way. Uh, no, I'm going to get lots of emails. I'm going to stop. So the robot goes to that spot and then uh, uses a screw drive to lift the top of the robot. So uh, from the perspective of the shelf, the top of the robot is not moving at all. The uh, But the the robot ends up using the screwdriver to lift the top of the of it you know, is platform that goes uh, from the robot up mm-hmm. until it hits the bottom of the shelf, mm-hmm. lifts the shelf up. So now the robot is physically lifting the shelf off the floor. Okay. And then the robot wheels the entire shelf over to the packing area where a human being grabs the product off the shelf and takes it to wow. pack it up. Meanwhile, yeah. the robot returns the the shelf to the appropriate place in the warehouse. Wow. This is. There are hundreds of robots in these warehouses, mm-hmm. and they're all working independently and uh, interdependently on, with each other so that they don't collide. They, oh, right, they, right. they know – the system knows where every robot is, and every robot knows where every robot is. So they move in this incredibly efficient manner and make it way easier for fewer people to pack more stuff in a warehouse and fulfill those Amazon.com orders. Yeah. So it's kind of um, it's kind of awesome to see, and then at the same time you think – Robots are going to take all our jobs. Uh, well, at, at the same time, I mean, I've read there's been a couple really good essays that have been published. I think the one, it was called I Was a Warehouse Wage Slave. Mm. It, it was excellent. It published on Mother Jones. And, uh, and yeah, just, just detailed this one journalist's uh, uh, inside experience of working for that kind of giant amalgamated shipping website thing and yeah. and you know the sort of the sort of mandatory overtime 12 hour days 5 days a week 15 minute breaks yeah you would uh, have to imagine that during the holidays it's got to be particularly hellish it's, it's not good yeah and you know getting fired for things like taking a day off yeah that's tough yeah. robots as it turns out uh, do not need very many coffee breaks <laughs> And they rarely take days off unless they're no longer running. They complain less about having to run 15 miles a day across a warehouse floor. Yeah, but yeah. they will eventually override us and uh, enslave us. Um, that that year, 2012, uh, so last 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 year, last year. Last year as mm-hmm. of recording this podcast, mm-hmm. um, they also had Amazon Studios announce that it was going to develop series exclusively for Amazon Instant Video. Which uh, kind of puts it on par with Netflix, which is also you know yeah. developing content exclusively for Netflix. Right. So with Netflix, you've got 
like the ti- the big title that has me excited is Arrested Development. Yes, Arrested absolutely. Development's coming so back. Exciting new season on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Well, Amazon is looking into uh, creating the the content that it was soliciting with Amazon Studios into these various series and movies, offering them on Amazon Instant Video. And the idea is that this will give you the option to see stuff that you otherwise never would get a chance we'll to see. Would get a chance to see, right? And hopefully, some of it will be uh, amazing. I, I'm sure. I'm sure quite a few titles will end up being really interesting and mm-hmm. exciting to watch. And I say that knowing that the majority of the stuff I come mm-hmm. across on Netflix is not. <laughs> well, and what, what's interesting about this competition, actually, is that Netflix uses Amazon's web services yeah. to run. I, I think that they're one of their larger Yeah, larger clients. clients. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's it's an interesting experience to see the uh, competitor using your own service. Mm-hmm. Um, and then moving up to, to our current year, 2013, uh, the only note I wrote down uh, is that the current stock price, as of the recording of this podcast, as it, and just before we came in here, was around two hundred sixty-four dollars a share. So, if you remember when we started this podcast, it was down to just under six dollars per share. It's back up to two hundred sixty-four dollars per share. It has not split since the dot-com crash. Wow. So, yeah. but there was a there was a long time where the the stock price was in the the ten to twenty dollar per share range. And then over the last few years, especially as the e-publishing stuff started taking off, the value of the company has gone up uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit. So yeah. it's 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 an interesting story. I mean, they were way on top before the dot-com crash. They they went, you know, as far as the market value of the company went, they, they sunk pretty low and then they rose back up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's interestingly, a lot of uh, during the fourth quarter of 2012, uh, 39% of the units sold on Amazon were by third party sellers. So they're kind of starting to move away from selling things themselves. Yeah, they, they become have, like a like a almost you know a middleman. Yeah, a platform for selling things, which, and, which makes sense. Amazon has a huge reach, mm-hmm. so uh, it makes sense from a merchant standpoint because you're going to reach way more potential customers than you would with your own site because you know that requires people actually know about you before they they you know start shopping. Uh, this way, they can find out about your stuff on Amazon, and fewer and fewer people. Uh, this is anecdotal. I shouldn't say this is not scientific. Anecdotally, I know <laughs> that I, from my group of friends, few people are really they don't really care where the product they buy comes from when they buy it on Amazon. Right. Now, they're not looking at the name of the vendor. They're looking at, oh, here's the thing. Here's how much it costs. Here's if it's a prime a eligible prime thing. thing. Click, yeah. One click yeah. buy. Yeah. 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 Give me that thing that I want. Uh-huh. Um, I've got a little bit. Here's a, another Kind of interesting fact. So during the time that Steve Jobs came back to Apple, mm-hmm. you know, he, he he was forced out of the company, came back in the mid '90s, uh, brought Apple back from the brink of bankruptcy to great success. Uh, investors achieved a return of 66.8 times their money wow. that they invested. During Jeff Bezos's tenure at Amazon, mm-hmm. shareholders achieved a uh, return of 124.3 times their money. Wow. Yeah. So nearly twice as much. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. It's, it's, which is one of those reasons why a lot of like, uh, like Forbes has called Bezos the best performing CEO ever. Wow. Uh, at least of this current mm-hmm. era. And that, uh, and that's the reason why is because of stuff like that. And Bezos, his philosophy is very interesting. If you were to ask Bezos about the competitors, 
to Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, he, he doesn't talk about them at all. He does not acknowledge them, uh-huh. and like no matter which industry you're talking about. And his philosophy is, this is a quote from him, whatever your set of competitors, competitors is today is transitory. You'd have to change your strategy all the time. Yeah. So his, his view is that you just got to do what you do as well as you possibly can and don't pay any mind to the competitors because that's just a distraction. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an incredible story. It's an, it's a pretty amazing company, uh, in that, you know, you look at the, the rise and fall and rise again. Um, it's, I'm curious to see what goes on in the future because like you said, they could potentially get out of the whole, why do we have this warehouse thing (laughs) and just be, be like a middleman. Right, right. Yeah. They're, they're already doing that for so many corporations with their infrastructure that it's their, their web services are a multi-billion dollar business at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where a lot of the value of the company is coming from. That and the digital products are really shaping the world as we know it. So, uh, we'll probably do an episode that kind of talks more in detail about Amazon's impact. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll split it up a little bit and give you some other episodes first so that you're not uh, Amazon out <laughs> uh-huh. all at once uh, or Amazoned, as I like to say. Amazoned. As I just invented. You just did that thing. Yeah, that was a thing that just happened, guys. Okay, so let's wrap this up. <laughs> guys, if you have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, I highly recommend you let us know in an email. Our address is techstuffatdiscovery.com or drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle at both those locations is techstuffhsw. And Lauren and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 